Welcome to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast with one simple vision, build up and become strong. So the question that we're reflecting on is a lot of the research on leadership development and growth is the message is this. Don't necessarily set out to be a leader. Okay. Set out to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And and that that place of our authentic self is the place from which we then lead most powerfully and influentially. And so... Each of us has a different life story and set of experiences that define that growth and development. And so part of the leader growth process is, number one, to work with our life experience and understand and and make meaning of it because that's the place from which we're leading, whether we're aware of it or not. And so that reflection process is is helpful um, to understand our point of view as a leader and the unique contribution we can make to our community. the second is, uh, with, is with an understanding of the science of how um, humans grow and develop, experience is the primary driver for, for our growth and development. And education has a place. Uh, but when, you, you know, the, the great proportion of our growth and development is defined through our life experiences. And there's two types of experiences that are highly developmental. Uh, elements of challenge, and elements of novelty. So this situation feels bigger than me. I'm not sh- even sure if I can do it. Of course, the answer is yes, but I'm going to have to grow into it. Yep. And likely with the help of others. Uh, novelty, where I've never been he- here before. I have no idea what to do. Carl Weick describes this as uh, vuja day, the opposite of deja vu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, awesome. Uh, it's going to drive creation of new meaning structures as I engage with this new experience. And so um, to be a lifelong learner as, as a growing leader, I need to be thinking about what are the new and challenging experiences that I can seek out throughout my life to drive growth and development. So if you, if you think of ex- new and challenging experiences as the centerpiece of our growth and development, it's possible to have an experience and lose the meaning. Um, as an example, uh, a new growing leader may <clears throat> delegate a task <clears throat> and, it, and it doesn't go well. So they might say to themselves, I'm never going to de- delegate again. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want it done, done right, do it yourself kind of yeah. mindset. Versus if I really reflect upon it, maybe it was more in how I structured that delegation process. And maybe my teammate wasn't quite ready. So I needed to walk alongside them a little before mm-hmm. just releasing the, the responsibility to them. So, um, uh, so that's where reflection and feedback come in. And so think of experience. And then the second step in the flywheel of growth and development is experience or, or reflection and feedback. And, um, there's lots of ways to pause, to assess, to look back on what went well, what could have gone better. Uh, um, where were the gaps in my own capability set? And, and then feedback from others. I can't see the back of my head. I, I don't fully know the experience of, of me. So it, it takes an extraordinary amount of courage to seek feedback. And I, and I think the, the key question with seeking feedback is not to ask, how did I do? Most people struggle with that performance kind of worrying question. Right. But if I ask, how could have I been more effective? Mm-hmm. 
that's where you'll often get some good traction in terms of either a skill or a way of being that uh, others could give me feedback around how I could become more effective. Yeah. Then I need to prepare for the next experience. I need to take that feedback and that reflection and do something with it. And that's where preparation comes in. And that preparation process can often be through seeking out a new, an, a different type of experience or meeting with a mentor who's maybe walked through life in a way that helps. They're, they're just a little further down the road in whatever experience that is. And so, so just think about preparation, experience, reflection and feedback, preparation, mm-hmm. experience. And, and that's the flywheel that you know, like a pottery wheel, at some point it creates its own momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if I have a, create in a sense, a cadence or a personal habit around seeking new and challenging experiences, reflecting upon them and getting feedback and then preparing for the next experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, thought it might be meaningful just to pause and each maybe each of us could share as we reflect back an experience that influenced our growth and development. Mm-hmm. Mike, you said you had one. Yeah, I got one. Um, and so when I often think about leadership, especially in, uh, for me, it's always been very de- defined roles when I was in the military, right? Being, being now in the civilian world, it's really hard for me to get that defined role as, as a leader, as far as like not so much being a leader like with my peers, like just having that mentorship and, and leadership attitude, but being actually defined as the go-to guy, right? And so on my second or third deployment, I was the lead tech, which for me meant just learning how the routers and switches and computers and everything was working. And that's all I had to worry about. My first line supervisor was the guy in charge. He was going to be the guy who handled everything outside, kept me protected and, and made sure that I could do my job. But about two weeks into the deployment, he had um, an emergency and had to be called back. And so it was my responsibility at that point to fulfill that role. And I was, in my mind, was not ready for that. I had focused totally on, hey, all I need to know is this. This is, this is my role. My responsibility is technical. I, not, not managing people, not having to, we're giving up reports, you know, all the stuff that came, comes from that leadership role of the guy in charge of the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the uh, um, NCYC there. Um, so when he left, it was all on me. And I, at that point, I did not think I was ready, right? And I, and I had a chip on my shoulder back then. So I, I was pretty much ready for anything I thought until that was like, hey, I'm leaving. And it's like, oh, so I have to do everything now. And I think about that. That was a, an opportunity for me, I think, in the most growth because it wasn't a, it wasn't an opportunity to kind of ease into something. It was throw you in the deep end and, and, and find success. And yeah. there was no like, hey, you're not going to find success. Like you're the only option right now. Yeah. And uh, for me, that opportunity just to see the growth in me, um, I think accelerated my growth into leadership. And actually I found a, a thirst for it, right? Actually having that ability to kind of lead and, and, and be in charge and, and just see how I could help others grow. And, and I always used to say the same thing. And, I, and, and a lot of NCOs say this, but my objective is to make my soldiers better than me, right? Mm-hmm. I want to make the guys below me. I want you to take my job. I want you to be better than me. And so that the next guy can be better than you. Right. And so having that opportunity to just kind of get thrown into it and yeah i made mistakes and yeah i, I kind of you know messed up here and there in the first couple of weeks and a couple of months but um I, I i was able to kind of like get into a rhythm and and towards the end of it and when we came back i was the only e5 that was in charge of a team everybody else was e6 or e7 so being the youngest guy the lowest ranking guy to be in charge of a team and then come back and finding the most success like 
to the point where my commander and everybody was like, you, you, you killed it. You, you rocked it. And we're giving you a team now. Two deployments later, they put me in charge of a, a planning team to, to help others lead mm-hmm. and mentor. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one opportunity that I think about that I was able to prepare differently for a leadership role, experience the leadership role, and then come back afterwards and reflect and learn, hey, you know, I, I picked up a lot and yeah. I was able to, to kind of carry that over to, to future deployments and That's future cool. missions. So what I love about that story is, number one, it, baked into that is all those elements for, for growth and development. It was a new and challenging experience, that, and there was a profound sense of responsibility that you that was at stake that drove your growth there wasn't a choice it de- the situation demanded that you grew into it yeah and and then what you learned and grew out of that is number one a sense of being in terms of mm-hmm. who you were a sense of confidence that you that you have the capability set to grow into new yeah. greater roles and responsibilities and then you found that this is a part of my calling this is something that's in me too and then i love the sense of generational uh, leadership where you're not only thinking about growing leaders, you're growing leaders of leaders. Yeah. Um, that you gain that insight through that experience. How, how does that experience influence you now as you, as you think about how you show up as a leader today? So I think one of the things that, and I, I kind of hinted at it before about being defined as a leader. I think that's, that's one of the things that I had to grow out of as well, because I, I found out that even at work now that I'm not in that manager role or I'm in that, in that, um, you know, defined leader role. But I, I learned that even though I'm not there now, there could be a point where I could be, you know, thrusted into that position. And so I always look at that today as, okay, I'm not the leader, but I need to act like it. I need to act like somebody that somebody can go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I, I find myself now with other engineers that come to me for advice, like, Hey Mike, you know, how would you do this? Or what should we do for this? And, um, oftentimes I'm that first step before going to our, our first, our, our main supervisor. Right. And I've, I've, I've started to see that more and more. Um, and it's a role that I think that I've, I've taken on because I, I enjoy that, that piece of, of leadership. Right. Be, be, I think at first I was kind of like, I'm not, I don't really want to answer all these questions. You guys been here longer than, <laughs> been here longer than me. Why am I, why am I, I'm, 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 am I answering these questions? Um, but I think that, experience really prepared me to have an understanding that the opportunity may not be an easy and gradual progression into leadership. It may be, it may come tomorrow. It may come next week. So, yeah. The, the other cool little hack uh, that emerges in this story is as much as possible, try to assign responsibilities and not tasks. Hmm. And so you were assigned a responsibility, a set of tasks would be, um, the, more the technical aspects of what you're talking about, and all of a sudden you're assigned this responsibility, mm-hmm. and uh, it it really drives growth and it drives a sense of meaning and engagement in the work itself. So, a simplistic example of how I think we can even apply this in our own home life as we seek to invest in and, and serve our children's growth and development is, um, for example. I could ask my son, hey, if you could please mow the lawn this weekend. That's, that would be kind of an assigning a task mm-hmm. where, hey, partner, you're responsible for the lawn. You decide when to mow, fertilize, whatever. I'll give you feedback. I'll do it with you. Uh, you you're responsible. So uh, that shift of towards ownership mm-hmm. starts to drive growth in a different way. Yeah, sure. You kind of hear that baked into your story as well. Mm, that's good. Yeah. That's a really good tip. Mm-hmm. John, do you have a story as you reflect back that was influential in your growth? Yeah, and I appreciate you going first, Mike, because you definitely generated some ideas as I was sitting here, much like Tom, going, I have 
I got I got nothing. I got crickets. Don't steal mine. No. <laughs> so this one time, Tom and I were. No. Um, no. The the one that's coming to mind for me is, and it's a similar, I guess, setup in some ways to yours, Mike. Of you know feeling young and new in a leadership position, and it was when I was first put in charge of my department at the school. Um, you know, leading a team of teachers, and I was twenty seven. You know, I'd, I'd been in the building for five years at that point. I was still getting jokes about being mistaken for a student. And I was the youngest person in a department of, at that point, I think 13 or 14 people. And, and there were lots of good reasons for why I applied for that position. And there were lots of good reasons for why they accepted me in that position. Um, but I remember just having all sorts of misconstrued ideas about what my role was, what my responsibilities were, let alone what all the tasks were. And I like how you're, you're partitioning those out, Nate, but, um, you know, I think I had lots of misconceptions about authority versus influence that, you know, I need to be in charge now. I, I need to be able to, you know, make decisions and execute plans and have the answers. And, what I was realizing over the course of the first year was just how much I didn't know and how much I really needed to rely on the team around me rather than, you know, lead the charge from the front, you know, Hey, everybody follow me. And, you know, being the youngest and being surrounded by really good teachers with lots of experience, how much as a leader, I almost needed to be led. I almost needed to follow in some ways. And then Mike, like you were kind of talking about, just make the people around me better in, in more of a, a service model. Um, so not being the expert in the room, not having, you know, the expertise, but more just sort of being a, I don't know, a, a conduit for growth, for efficiency, for, you know, how can I help everybody else do their job even more effectively than they're already doing it? Um, and then just sort of looking at the last 10 years of being in that position and how, how much I've changed from that, how much I've tried to reflect, but also how much I'm realizing, you know, there are still things from those first couple of years of being painfully aware of how much I didn't know that I think have still continued to shape the way that I continue to lead now yeah. and are very much in need of probably some feedback as well as reflection. Um, so that it doesn't, so that there is actual growth in that flywheel and not just perpetuation of the same. That's cool. And how does that experience, like part of what you described was, was a shift in identity from my value is bringing expertise to my value is creating a conversation in which expertise emerges within my community. Mm-hmm. Does, how does that show up in other ways in your practice of leadership? And I know you're involved in many different engagements in, uh, where, where, you're, where you're leading and facilitating a community endeavor. I think, I think some of it has just been the appreciation for just how much everyone can bring to the table. From the newest hire and the least experienced person to the person that's been there for decades, you know, doing the same thing. Um, like you were talking about before, just 
we each come to the table with our own story and our own background and just how incredibly valuable that is in a team setting. And, and while there is, you know, there are aspects of, of the culture you're trying to build and the degree to which you want people to assimilate into an existing model, but also just how rich that existing culture can be when you allow everyone's story and experiences to begin to affect whatever that existing culture is in ways that allow for growth that otherwise wouldn't be possible if you're just trying to perpetuate the same culture. You know, finding that middle balance between everything needs to always be changing and improving and everything needs to always stay the same in the way that it was. And allowing people to know that there is always an invitation to have influence in their environment, regardless of whether or not they have the label of a leader. Um, and again, then still finding the middle of there is an authority structure and there is a hierarchy, but I don't know. I, I don't know if that totally gets to the question, but those are just the things that are coming to mind as you ask that. That's cool. Thank you. The other piece that I really liked about what you said, John, was um, your shift in understanding of what it would mean to empower the people under you, right? Because it just seems like a really exhausting form of leadership if you have to be the guy that's answering every question as opposed to your people understanding that, you know, or, or, or building into your people the capacity yeah. to figure it out. You know, come to me if, if it goes off the rails, mm -hmm. but here's the freedom and, and the resources to, to do it on your own. And that, that really felt so irresponsible to me at first. And I don't know if this is just the natural you know, like progression of a leader. If you first have to start with, I feel like it's all to me. I feel like you have to have all the answers. I feel like I have to be the go-to guy and then just sort of burn yourself out in whatever capacity to realize I can't do that yeah. and I need to empower people. Um, but I'm now transitioning out of that leadership role at school, stepping down after 11 years as the chair. And I'm, I'm, I'm helping to transition a new guy and I'm watching him do all the same things that I did. <laughs> and from the best possible heart of, I mean, he's the guy that when the department phone rings, he's out of his chair first to go answer it so that nobody else has to. I mean, he's got yeah. an incredible servant heart. And, you know, when people have questions, when they're having problems with like, there's always that kid in a classroom somewhere yeah. that's just being a disruption. He, he wants to be the guy that says, oh, well, what if we do this, right? And, and when there's the need for somebody to fill in because somebody's sick last minute and the substitute teacher didn't show up or like he's the guy, like he's, he's Johnny on the spot and I love that about him. And I see myself 10 years ago doing the same thing and I see myself 10 years ago burning myself out yeah. trying to be all things to all people. And it's just, it's funny now 10 years later hearing myself, hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth to this guy who's replacing me, you know, trying to help him, you know, be better than me right. from the start and saying, like, you, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> and not any sort of condemning way, but there's actually a better way for you and for them. And uh, I just, I find myself laughing at myself a lot as, as I'm in sort of this like dual vision of current me and old me. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny. Well, and the beauty of your willingness to be vulnerable with him and share from your experience, um, there's not enough runway in life to get l enough lift to take off. 
if we're completely dependent on our own life lessons and experiences. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I can leverage others' experiences, I'm going to get lift all that much quicker. Yeah. And that's where the role of that mentor guide comes in that I just think is so key and profoundly influential yeah. in growth and development to come alongside experience. And again, it's the experience that's the teacher in many ways, but that that role of the of the mentor coming alongside helps get lift all that much quicker because I'm, I'm, I'm getting the wisdom of others' experiences um, to inform how I engage in my current experience. So, well, I feel awesome. like that's an important part of the, the reflection piece yeah. because for me, that seems like the one that gets skipped, right, yeah. in the process is – uh, you know, I'm getting thrown into this experience like Mike and, and I got to figure it out. And, you know, maybe I have the, the foresight to see that an experience is coming and so I can do some prep, but then it's on to the next one without taking that step back left to our own devices anyway, uh, to, to really reflect and think about how we could go about it differently next time. Um, so having somebody there to, you know, even if it's just a, a two minute conversation with this guy that's replacing you, John, of like, hey, you know, you looked at it this way. What if we would have gone, you know, um, just gives those moments of reflection to, I guess, kind of frame the experience really, yeah. um, you know, so that it's not just we're getting stuff done and maybe sometimes it doesn't work out great, but we're still just moving on to whatever comes next. Mm-hmm. And I think that really highlights, you know, paths, paths are worn for when we need them. And so um, I think the key is to engage in a way in life where I, I'm, I'm consistently seeking out uh, people who are further down the road to get wisdom and advice from. Because the time to seek that out is not when I'm in the experience, in the mm-hmm. crucible. Uh, it's, yeah. just, it's too late in some ways to have enough relational. Certainly to seek somebody out to get advice in the moment is absolutely valid and important Mm -hmm. however there's often not enough bandwidth and conduit to really get the lift needed so there i think what we're talking about is more a way of life and a way of being and engaging with life right i have uh um, consistently i'm seeking out where whatever season of life i am somebody who's about a decade ahead or so Mm -hmm. who's been through the decade i'm in and can offer perspective and wisdom and who's obviously aligned with somebody that I aspire to um, live in the way that they're living. And um, and then as life occurs, as life experiences occur, they're walking with me through those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, an experience I had um, that was absolutely defining for me was uh, the loss of our son, Dustin, um, uh, he was, this was uh, back in 95, he was uh, five months old. He died from SIDS, son of death syndrome. Uh, uh, um, he, uh, Joan actually found him dead in his crib when we woke up in the morning. Um, uh, I was upstairs at the time. We were at her parents' house on uh, leave. We were, we were in the military and I was, we were actually in transition to another assignment. And... Um, so she came up running up the stairs with him dead in her arms. I tried to give him mouth to mouth. Our oldest daughter was present with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I think he's buried in Denver um, at uh, Fort Logan National Cemetery. And uh, 
I think as I reflect back on that experience, obviously quite a, a dark period in our family's life, and then even walking through the aftermath of the trauma um, associated with both the impact on our uh, on each of us as well as our children. Um, and uh, and I, I marvel at the fact that our oldest daughter is now an emergency room nurse. Mm-hmm. I look back at that moment. But uh, the um, in terms of that the influence on me I, I know i can't walk into any room i know everyone has their own story yeah and um i knew that i knew that before kind of from a knowledge perspective but in terms of just kind of baked into a deeper understanding and a compassion for the human condition um that moment was defining for me and yeah. um shaped in large regard um how i hope i show up as I engage with others. And, so mm-hmm. so uh, a lot of our stories are, as life has come at us, we've responded. Um, I think there's also opportunity for us to be thinking about, from an experience map perspective, where are there potential gaps in my growth and development and where I want to go as a leader? And what are the experiences I can t- intentionally seek out to either offer myself up as, hey, I'm open and available if this type of opportunity were to emerge, mm-hmm. or um, to actually create um, and step into. And so an understanding of the fact that we can leverage our experience for growth and development and then seek experience to drive growth um, is just such a powerful um, tool to have in our kit bag, so to speak, of yeah. life, as a lifelong learner. Yeah. Tom, I was thinking about for you, I, I know, do you have an experience yet that pops to mind? I, I, a couple. Um, I mean, I, I was thinking kind of along the same lines as, as John um, of, you know, my first few years teaching um, where uh, actually I was thinking from the student perspective. Yeah. Um, so I, my my undergraduate is engineering. I actually did a year of master's work in engineering. Decided that wasn't where I wanted to be, and so I'm trying to figure out uh, where I'm going to go. And uh, found this career switcher program for people with technical backgrounds to get into the classroom. Um, and did I think it was one semester and two summer courses. And they were like, okay, you need to be hired full-time as a teacher. So I hadn't even finished any kind of um, degree program or anything like that. And they're like, here's your classroom. And at the time I was 24, 25. So, um, you know, not very much older than, uh, than the students, zero experience whatsoever. Um, You know, and and the, the thing about teaching is uh, that it's this kind of constantly iterative process you know the first period of the day happens and I'm gonna have to teach that two or three more times today and so if it didn't really go well then I I have that opportunity um, you know to uh, to kind of shift gears a little bit or or try something a little bit different or um, you know so you end up feeling horrible for those first period kids because (laughs) (laughs) the class period at the end of the day goes way better than it did uh, in the morning um, but that also, you asked Mike the, the question about, um, you know, how did the experience kind of shape the, um, 
your view on leadership and, and, um, growth and, and all that. Um, and I, I find myself really open to that iterative kind of process an environment where we acknowledge that mistakes are going to be made, that we're not going to get it right the first time. Um, but let's just, let's get out there and do something. And then like you were talking about, we can come back and reflect on it and then go back and, and try and do it better the, the next time. Um, you know, so that kind of flexibility and freedom uh, is really something that I appreciate. And I think it's because of that, uh, that growth curve that I had, you know, um, teaching that first year. And then you were just talking about stepping out. So my third year, uh, in the classroom was when we had first moved down here to Virginia. Um, and I don't even know how it first came up, um, because the head coach of the track team was a social studies guy. And and so I, I was still trying to figure out all the science people at this new school that I was, uh, teaching at. Um, and somehow it came up that they needed a pole vault coach. And I had the thought, well, I, I pole vaulted a tiny little bit in, you know, in high school, uh, I, I could probably, you know, help out. Um, and that was, you know, I, and then I, I went up to the athletic director and I was like, Hey, I hear, you know, you might need somebody. And that started six years of coaching, um, which was way different than just being a track athlete. I thought, ah, you know, I was a track kid. <laughs> I could totally be a track coach. Um, you know, it was a way different experience that culminated in me actually being the head coach, uh, of the team for a couple of seasons, um, on essentially what was like a, a lark almost of, I'll just put myself out there and if they need me, then, you know, we'll maybe do something. Um, so that was a really great experience for me and, and filled out, uh, I think in a lot of ways, my experience in the classroom. Uh, once I got to, uh, you know, to that position, because now you're seeing the kids in a different way. They know you in a different way. I coached kids as freshmen on the team that then got to my class a couple years later. And so I already had history with some of the kids that were sitting in front of me. Um, you know, so it, it, uh, in terms of community building, there was this whole other aspect of who I was in the classroom because of who I was outside the classroom that, um, that was really interesting and, and, uh, I felt like really important in my development of, of who I was supposed to be in that building. That's really cool. That's cool. I think your, um, your story, uh, wonderfully illustrates that in many ways we're called to a people in a place mm -hmm. and like you think about like, would I be missed if I left? and whatever community I'm engaged with. And I just love how you've engaged with your community in such a way where there's a rich tapestry that was woven through that experience where um, you're having an influence and a profound impact generationally through yeah. what, you're, what, you're, um, what you're doing. You can't do that. If, if it's just a J-O-B and I'm coming in and I leave without a vision that's broader, right. like what you had, uh, um, it's just really profound what you accomplished there. It's cool to hear. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And I like how it also really illustrates that point of 
you know, the, the developmental piece, right? Helping be, helping people become better, and the difference between I can lead because I can do versus I can lead because I can show. Yeah, and just how big a chasm there is between those two sides. Huge. <laughs> Right. Like I was a runner, so I can, of course I can help people run. Yeah. And I had the same thing when I was, you know, coaching volleyball, like, well, I played, so of course I can, I can. And those first couple of days, you're like, wow, I, I don't know how to take everything that is in me and put it in you. Right. And okay. So, all right. So I need to change. I need to grow in order to help you grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's, I think you have to leadership you know, you have to be able to approach it from the perspective of the people you're trying to lead yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, and we, we talked with, uh, Jeff Kuzma a couple episodes back. He's a phenomenal runner and now is getting to coach runners in high school. And a lot of times, you know, we end up in these leadership positions because we personally uh-huh. exhibited success in that area. And that could be like Jeff said, he, he was gifted with an amazing natural talent and you can't coach that up. Like you either have it or you don't. And so what may have been easy and natural to me in this area that I'm now trying to lead may not be natural and easy to the people that I'm trying to, to train up in it. Um, and so that forces that shift of, Oh, you don't, you don't have that yet. Yeah. And I don't even really necessarily know how I got that, right. but we need to figure out together. How do we move you to there? Yeah. Yeah. And the opportunity to just be reflective in those moments, like you were talking about Nate and, and I like how both of your stories are sort of leading us away from, I think the way that many of us traditionally think about leadership and leadership growth, right? It's usually about which, which knowledge sets do I need to acquire? Which books do I need to read? Which certifications do I need to, you know, complete? And I mean, this is so much more, like you said, Nate, about developing our identity, developing our humanity, yeah. right? A recognition of I need to develop my empathy, or I need to develop, you know, my ability to not just do, mm-hmm. but to to coach, you know, in the truest sense of the word, not to be a coach, but to learn how to coach and not just produce. Yeah, and how that re- that really does seem to be as we're talking about this the the crux of authentic leadership or Nate as you talk about transformational leadership is that internal development that then just allows you you know through your own transformation to then right. have that effect on others i just i like i like where you guys are taking this conversation it's really cool to listen to yeah and and Nate was saying earlier you know about leadership training essentially being personal growth is, is what you're looking for. Right. And that's what I really like about, uh, what you shared with you, with your guys, uh, story with Dustin. Like if you just look at that on the outside, how is that a leadership story? But it was a, a moment, uh, a period of personal growth for you that has greatly influenced the way, like you said, that you show up and the way that you lead, um, and just who you are as a person, which is going to spill over into so many different aspects of family, work, you know, whatever. Uh, and so to, I, I like that the conversation around leadership is expanding beyond just I have a position of authority or influence and, you know, 
can I develop into the kind of person for which those opportunities arrive? Mm-hmm. You really highlight uh, um, a lot. Would agree a, a lot of like researchers in this area would agree that you, you kind of have leader development and leadership development as parallel streams of development. Leader development would be the ongoing formation of the man or woman of consequence and character. So, mm-hmm. life purpose, core values, mm-hmm. um, who I'm becoming. Um, identity, you know, these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, life uh, le- leadership would be the, the domain of knowledge and skills necessary to influence in a, a varied degree of context. So um, negotiation, conflict resolution, delegation, mm-hmm. um, any number of topics you can yeah. think of that a leader would be called upon, crisis management. So um, uh and so there's a whole body of research and there's a, a set of skills that I can develop to do that well. Mm-hmm. And I think each is necessary but not sufficient. Mm-hmm. There's some who maybe have really focused on the, the leadership's knowledge and skills, but maybe I haven't done all the work necessary to become increasingly self-aware and have a clear sense of my life purpose and, and clarity around the difference I want to make in the world than what I'm called to make in the world. And so I'm missing maybe the potential influence I could have had, or there's a, just a teammates aren't really able to connect fully with my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, or I, I could really have worked on the being component and grown and informed in terms of my own sense of identity and clarity of life purpose and, and how I'm showing up because my presence matters more than anything I say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, but I haven't de- developed the knowledge and skills necessary to be effective in differing environments. Mm-hmm. I just will find myself not relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have to kind of have this mindset that I, if I want to continue to enhance and grow uh, in my capacity to serve meaningfully in, uh, through influence, um, I'm going to have to have... Um, a mindset that I'm going to continue to engage with my own growth and development in those two domains. Um, so John, you brought up this question after we sat down with Nate the first time. Um, and, and I think this is really good coming off of uh, what you're saying about the leadership development and leader development. Um, and it's just like, I, I need an answer to this question. I feel like <laughs> in your experience, does leadership ever, go so far off the rails that it can't be recovered organizationally or what would your suggestions be for i just feel like it's gone terribly it's unrecoverable i'm stuck whatever that is you know um is there a reset button and and how could we go about doing that The one, if, if you don't mind me offering real quick while we're on the, and this is related to your question, um, for a, this model, this developmental framework around mm-hmm. experience, reflection, feedback, preparation also works for teams. Mm-hmm. So, if, so if I'm the leader of a team, what I know is to really help the team grow and develop, I've got, it's experiences that are going to drive our development. It's shared um, hardship. It's shared uh, the, the interdependent effort of whatever our mission is. And so... But it's easy to go from project to project and not reflect. Yeah. And so um, 
if we can just pause, the military calls it an after-action review. In fact, it's called the, the, the after-action review is, is described as the um, most infact, impactful technology ever invented in the, <laughs> in the military industrial complex. And the reason is because what, what it is is a unit will, after a mission, will pause, and from private to general, everyone has an equal voice. And what went well in this mission? What, what didn't go well, we need all eyes because everyone has a different perspective and how can we improve? And then, we, and then from there, we take insights from that after action review and we go prepare, we go train, we go develop yep. ourselves and our team to go into the next mission. So the same is true for any team. You can, you know, as we go from project to project or, or even quarterly, just let's pause and assess and zoom out what's going well in our practice as a team, what can we improve, um, to, to help us to be more effective? And then are there any elements we need to prepare as we continue to grow in our missions? So um, if a team feels stuck, and there's probably lots of different directions we could take this. I, um, t- typically, if there's a need for an intervention, um, what the general recommendation is, is to find there's usually a stronger node in the system. And... Uh, what I'll typically do when working with a team that's maybe in crisis is I'll interview every teammate one uh, confidentially and privately one on one to find out what their perspective is, what what are their points of concern, um, what seems to be challenging the team, what's wor- and what's working well. And through that process, I'll identify the stronger nodes, the more mature nodes in the system, the, the ones that are more capable to receive a call to action. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll then actually start to work with them uh, to strengthen them. Uh, and so, because all, all organic systems, when, when in physical proximity, will start to resonate and align with each other. Mm-hmm. And so, even, even us, sitting, us being physical, pro- we're influencing each other right now, just being with mm-hmm. each other in ways that are quite profound that are unconscious. We're going to leave, we could sit here and not say a word, we would leave changed. Yeah. And so, um, so with a team in crisis or, or maybe there's some dysfunction in the team, uh, by strengthening the po- more positive nodes, what I do is I start to create a deeper resonance that's going to help the team find its way ahead. Um, and then by not investing and pouring a significant amount of energy into the more negative nodes, I start to um, deplete the oxygen that's feeding that fire. Mm-hmm. If I focus on fixing the negative nodes, what what can happen is that unconsciously those negative nodes in the system actually appreciate the power that they're receiving. Yeah. And the the stronger nodes have choice usually have choices and they may be thinking to themselves is this the right place for me mm-hmm. yeah and so they may are if i'm not help working on strengthening them in their voice and amplifying that in some way they may choose to leave the system mm-hmm. now yeah. what happens interestingly is as the stronger nodes start to connect and resonate in a deeper way the more negative nodes will either start to resonate and align with the more positive elements or they'll choose to leave. Yeah. And it's all unconscious. They'll, in their minds, it's, I chose to leave. But it was the dissonance that was created and the loss of power that occurred mm-hmm. 
that caused them to choose, choose to leave. So um, uh, is it ever too late? I would say most likely, unless there's um, been a, tr a clear breach in trust that's a violation of the ethical or just um, personal commitments domain mm -hmm. that's unrecoverable um, in, or just a complete toxic leader uh, as a re that, that's resulted in that, um, I think uh, there's always hope. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and if, it's, if I'm the one that I found that has maybe been influential in creating a culture that's not vibrant, positive, engaged, then there's always opportunity for me to come to the team and, mm -hmm. and own it mm -hmm. and, uh, and ask for a commitment, collective commitment to what would we love to create together and how might we find a way ahead and how might I get the feedback I need and the accountability I need to show up in the way that I'm hoping to. Yeah. And, um, but hopefully what, I, what I've described is an, in, a dynamic where it starts one-on-one -on -one and then goes to team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A mistake often made, and I've made it, is to start with team. And what you have is a lot of pretending, a yeah. lot of smiling, nodding, and go, you know, S&D, smile, nod, and go do your own thing. <laughs> because people, it's not safe enough for people to speak, teammates to speak their truth. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but if I could create a context in which one-on-one, -on -one we can start to strengthen each individual teammate and help them make the choices they need to make for themselves that will serve the community, regardless mm -hmm. of the noise that's going on around them. And then, and then start to clear any issues that need to be cleared. At some point, the team will be ready to meet and have a true, authentic conversation around yeah. what's the way ahead. Yeah. And if there's anything I need to own in that process, in those one-on-ones, I start to own it. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's good. Is that helpful? Is yeah, that super helpful. And I'm even actually <laughs> seeing that... Uh, you know, carry over in a lot of ways to even family leadership of, you know, building up the strengths of, uh, of individual members or kids or, um, you know, uh, before just laying out all the issues like, Hey, this, this isn't working with the family. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's super applicable and, and, um, honestly challenging personally. So that's good. And it feels like it runs counter too. And again, like I had mentioned before, I feel like I'm still finding myself you know, recovering from earlier misconceptions about leadership. Because even as you were asking that question, Tom, I think my default subconscious response was, well, it's, it's got to like, like, I'm the leader. I got to come up with the answer, right? Like mm -hmm. that's got to be where it starts. And I love that, you know, Nate, the, the response was it's relational and you, you go and you listen. Yeah. Right. And, and you go and, and you, encourage and, and support and, and rebuild and then you eventually all come back together and so not that you don't have a role to play but it, it really isn't that i think what many and what i would often default to is that authoritative right i have the answer i have the plan all right everyone here's where we're going and it really is that much more collaborative piece of listening developing understanding yeah rebuilding and or increasing trust and then developing that common goal and that common vision that creates this new sense of vibrancy and life and purpose. And that's yeah, good. Yeah, that's thank good. you for that. And and as a part of the listening tour, um, there is there's a there's an in, there's a an informed call to action or call to responsibility. So as I'm listening, I might notice 
Wow, Mike, I'm just really sensing a strength in, in, in your perspective, and I'm wondering how you might encourage your teammates to take that perspective as we work through this difficult time. So you see how I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm listening, I'm hearing his concerns, and then there's, I'm looking for an opportunity to, to because he's a stronger mm-hmm. node in the system, call him to responsibility. The solution for our team and the way ahead is, is, is through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus me going to try to fix the negative notes. Yeah. Um, it's not that I don't address things that need to be addressed. But in terms of the, the great proportion of my energy is going to be spent focused on strengthening the stronger nodes in the system. Yeah. And the rest of the system will start to resonate and align with that. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd love that image of decreasing the oxygen to the fires as the way of putting them out. I, I think that's uh, really shifts the energy that the leader has to offer in a positive way and and promote growth in that direction instead of focusing that energy on just always fixing the problems because there's always going to be problems or negative people yeah yeah i know we're we i'll just offer this if you want to keep the conversation going let's <laughs> yeah. meet in a month um yeah. uh this topic's really fascinating actually so we could we could do a whole nother easily hour on teams in crisis if you're interested, but whatever, yeah. I'm, whatever's going to serve you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're short on time, so we'll probably figure out a way to edit this, but I, I do have one question for you. Yeah. I don't need an answer now, but, but, <laughs> yeah. but as, as I'm, as I'm kind of yeah. digesting all this, I, I'm going to say I self identify as a strong node, right? However, I find myself now in a position where I don't want the, I'll call it what it is complacency where I'm fat and fed and everything's going okay at work where I don't desi- yeah. I don't have that desire to seek additional responsibilities because yeah. I'm okay. How do I not find myself shifting from that positive to that negative because of that complacency, right? I, I, I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to have that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to find ways because I don't have a Nate in my office that's going to call me to action, right? I almost have to feel like I have to call myself to action. And and I, I find myself starting to lose that the more and more I find myself shifting away from – from my military days. I know that yeah. sounds bad. Well, but. there's a couple <laughs> a couple levels on that. Number one, if you kind of view, okay, so from our from our faith perspective and worldview, um, this is the this is the process of growth and development that God implanted in all of creation. Mm-hmm. And so it would. So if you kind of picture God as your ultimate leader developer. He has custom designed experiences for you that we can't even foresee right now that are on, on the horizon for me too. And, um, in his sovereignty and grace, um, he offers those experiences to us, uh, whether it's the loss of a son or, um, or stepping into a responsibility like you did in combat that, that felt bigger than you. Um, and so, uh, one would just be in our own time with the Lord asking the Father, Lord, what are the experiences that I need to prepare me for the calling you placed on my life? And he will be faithful to provide those. And, <laughs> and, and they can be I positive like things too. Say that. Yeah. They can be opportunities that we step into to serve in a more meaningful way as well. So um, that would be one level of perspective is just in our own time, in our own personal quiet time with, with the Lord, Reflecting on our experiences and trusting him with the experience and then seeing everything is through his hand 
in his divine sovereignty for the for the unique contribution he created each of us for unique calling each of us for a unique contribution mm-hmm. to the community we serve in and and that's going to require a unique gift set which each of us has a unique capability set and a unique set of experiences to drive our growth um, now that doesn't take away from our own responsibility though to press in and so i think mike i might have been sharing with you i I feel like I've, in some ways, never been more challenged in life um, in terms of the types of situations I'm, I'm called to either move into and be a part of uh, engaging with or providing perspective on. And so um, I had a perspective when I was your age that in this season of life, I would kind of be, coast, I'd take some speed off the pitch. And I'm actually finding that it's I'm stepping into and needing to step up in ways that I hadn't quite predicted. So yeah. what I've found in myself is it's a call to action that my assumption is that when I'm in my 60s, it's going to be even be more demanding. Hmm. And so um, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, so what is my development plan that's going to ensure that I'm prepared that when I'm in that season of life and it's, more is coming at me than I can even imagine right now? that I'm prepared to serve in a way and be relevant in a way that can um, engage to, um, to con- con- make a contribution. Um, uh, so a question, a, a reflection question for each of us might be, what is, was an, what is an experience that would be new and challenging right now that we might seek out in some meaningful way? And it doesn't have to mean a, a shift in responsibilities. Right. Mm-hmm. It could mean a, a part-time, hey, I'd be interested in stepping into that. Uh, could I go to that meeting with you? Mm-hmm. Or could I maybe have an opportunity to run that meeting? Um, or would you be willing to watch me and give me feedback on how I'm doing mm-hmm. yeah. to help me be more effective? Think of any number of moves I can make that would be very subtle shifts that would just start to center my growth around experience and either seeking out new and challenging experiences, seeking feedback, or preparing more intentionally. Yeah. Um, there's That's a good. verse that, uh, here's uh, Jeremiah 12, 5, says, If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? Mm-hmm. If you stumble in the safe country, how will you manage the, in the thickets by the Jordan? So I think uh, we're we're each we each have a responsibility before God to um, prepare, and the preparation is through seeking experiences, seeking relationships that can help us grow and develop. Whether it's peer, peers like what, what you guys have done so wonderfully at seeking out others who are further down the road to to provide insight and perspective, and then obviously paying that forward to the next generation seals that in our memory in a sense of. Um, I love what you said earlier, Mike. The vision of mentoring is that the next generation that 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 they become greater than me, yeah. Because they get what I got there, you know. They get that lift from my experiences, plus they get what they've got, right? And so, um, anyway, that there is a call to action that each of us has, and it and it can be in subtle ways. So it doesn't have to be some big move. It's more in what are the habits or the cadence of life that I've created that are that are. Leveraging experience to drive my growth and development. That's good. For sure. I like that. That's good.